All right, so welcome to this episode of Messer Brothers Presents. I'm Nick, and that's all you're getting today. Unless Doug wants to chime in, he's welcome to. Say, I'm sitting here. There's Doug. This is Messer Brothers History. Craig's not here. First one ever. First time ever. <clears throat> so you got me and Doug. I hope you enjoy it. All right. All right, before we get into what I'm going to talk about, Doug, you got anything to say? Uh, about what? I don't know. Anything. Anything on your mind? Um, <clears throat> What's going on in the world? I don't know about the world. What's going on in Doug's world? I saw the Spider-Man movie. You saw the yeah, Spider-Man movie. Yeah, we went movie. and saw it. I liked it. We can't spoil it, though. No. Did you like it? I liked it. I enjoyed it. And we'll see it again. Sometime. I slept through a little bit of it. Oh. That's not good. Well... Craig woke me up. He was like, you better wake up. Like, Don't miss and I it. I stayed awake the whole time. It didn't start till like 9.30. 9.35. Yeah. I looked I, at my watch. That was a late night for me. Yep. I was up a long time. It was good. Long I would see it again. Movie. I'm going to see it again. I don't know when, but I'm going to. I don't think it was as good as the second one in this series. Eh, uh, no, probably not. That was one of the better ones, the second one. It's probably my number one in the eight Spider-Man movie ranking. Far From Home is, that is. Is there not nine of them now? Nope. There's only two in the Amazing They only did two of the Amazing Spider-Man. I know I saw one of those. I just don't remember if I saw the other one. I wasn't a big fan of the one I saw. I do remember that. I think I just didn't like Garfield or whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. You like him? I like him. I like those. I like both of them. All right. So, today is what? December, December 22nd. Yeah, 22nd is... Three days till Christmas. Three days till Christmas. So, I don't know when you guys will hear this. Probably tomorrow. Probably Maybe. December 23rd. It is going to go up tomorrow. So, you still got a couple of days before Christmas. I'm off work from now until what? January, so I got a while before I got to go back. All right, and Craig is, let me tell you why Craig's not here. Craig decided to wait until like yesterday to start any of his Christmas shopping. So he's out trying to, scrambling around trying to find gifts for people. So I told him good luck, but he better find me something. Crowded mess. Yeah. So that's where he's at. All right. I guess we'll go ahead and get started. Since it's just me, I'm just going to do a next top. I got five things. I don't know. I guess it would be my top five. Really my top four. I just added a fifth one because I wanted to have a nice round number. Five is a round number? I mean, <laughs> what am I trying right. to say? Um, I, don't I don't know. know you don't see a list of four things. You don't see a list of six. You see a list of like five, ten, twenty. Sometimes you see a top three. Yeah, top three, but I could have done a top three. You got five now. Five's well, all I right. got five. All right. I won't speak too much on the first one, but the four afterwards, I could have whole episodes on those by themselves. All right. So these are the top, Nick's top five favorite things. I think we should label it a few of Nick's favorite things. 
These are a few of Mick's favorite things. That's, I thought that song when I was thinking of this. <clears throat> All right, so let's kick it off. Doug, do you have a? Can you name a few of your favorite things? Just favorite things in general? Yeah, like just ramble. What's, no. You don't have any favorite things? I'd have to think about that. Like things you enjoy doing? I'd still have to think about that. Okay. <laughs> That's a lot of things to think about. You can't think of favorite things. If there's like two or three things you could be doing instead of anything else at any given time, what would one be? Um, Sitting on a beach. It's like, oh, Doug's out here weeding in the bank. In his mind, he's sitting on the beach. Sitting on the beach. Or a cruise ship. Or a cruise ship. All right. Or a beach with the cruise ship right there where I just got off the cruise ship and I'm on the beach and yeah. Okay. So Doug's all about the beach and cruises. Yeah. And women in bikinis. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Let's start it with what I got at my number five. I wrote down wood. Wood. That's pretty general. Well, I didn't know what to call it. I didn't want to put woodwork in or building, but I like, I have my own sawmill, and I like when you can take a tree. It's like, here's this round tree that I just cut down. I put it on the sawmill and I turn it into, turn it into lumber. My favorite thing to make, I enjoy making like beams and then finishing them out. I like making fireplace mantles. I guess I enjoy finishing the wood. You understand what I'm saying? You get yep. That? Yep. Finishing wood is I enjoy that. It's a very relaxing. Dry the firewood or the dry the fireplace mantle out. I resaw it, get it all sanded and smooth, finish it. I enjoy that. So that was my number five. Just because I wanted to have five. Okay. And it popped into my head on the way up here. I was like, I know how to say that. That works. So, all right, let's get into what I really like. Okay. Number, number four. four. What's your number four, Doug? I don't know. Was the beach number one? Beach is probably number one. Beach is Doug's number one. Or close to it. If we're if we're counting a list of every like favorite things in the whole world, that's I don't know. If you could choose sitting on the beach or being on a cruise ship, but not both. They weren't connected. If it was just a cruise beach. with no beach, you would choose the beach. Beach. All right. I've never been on a cruise ship. I have been to the beach. Should have. Should have. You should have been on a cruise ship. Why? Oh, you just should have gone. Yeah, I'll never get the chance now. Why not? COVID destroyed cruise ships, didn't it? Nah. Well, they've been cruising since October. Oh, I didn't know that. Why you been? Because um, you have to have a shot to do that right so at, at the moment. Someday, maybe not, but right now you do. So. Well, I'm not got a shot, so I can't go on no cruise ship. Me neither. All right, so here's my number four, Douglas. I've got down writing slash, slash reading. Okay. So I combined them into the same one because... They're very similar to me because you have to write something before you can read it. Mm, yeah. And I like how you can take, people take a thought that's in their head 
and put it on the words in, on a piece of paper and then you can read it and it's like some guy thought this up and some of the most profound statements in history have been stuff people just made up and put in a book and there's quotes all over mm -hmm. the place and I just like that and as far as reading goes let's see my favorite authors I love Hemingway Ernest Hemingway is probably my number one I love Ron Rash He's a local author. He's wrote some good stuff. I love Gary Paulson. You ever heard of Gary Paulson? Ah, uh, what's he written? He wrote. He was real. It's really like kids' books. Oh, um, I got um, um Hatchet. Yes. Yes. He yes. wrote. That's not all. That's all, that's probably his most famous book. But he wrote. I don't know how many. A lot. And growing up, I loved him. And I'm. I got into reading some of his stuff here a few years back and it was just as good now as it was when I was a kid very easy to read but the story is good yes, yes. I, I like him I like some stuff by let's see Faulkner he has one uh, I've read a few of his stuff and one of my favorite things ever I think it was called the bear or the bear hunt he has one called the bear and he has one called the bear hunt I don't remember which one I was reading, because in different publications, if you get a book of short stories, some people things call it, they've both been called the same things over time, but it's two different stories, but it was good, yeah, Ron, Ron Rash, you heard of him? I've heard of him. My favorite thing, it is probably my one of my very favorite books called The World Made Straight. I love that book. You should read Everybody should read it. These are all recommendations. Look them up. The World Made Straight. He's, he's probably most famous for his book, Serena. It was turned into a movie. Had Bradley Cooper and that girl who played in The Hunger Games. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence? Jennifer Lawrence. It had both of them in it. I tried watching it, but they, it was so long. The book was long. The movie was so long. They edited stuff out, and it made no sense. Yeah. They always cut a bunch of stuff out when they turn a book into a movie. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I heard where Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper said the first time they watched it, they were confused because they cut so much out. They're like, we don't know what happened. And I watched the movie before I read the book. Hmm. So I really didn't know what to expect. And I'm not going to lie, I wasn't that impressed. Until the end. The way he tied the whole book up. It was fantastic. Hmm. It's a whole lot of reading. Whole lot, it, I don't remember how long it was. It was pretty long. But it ended on a good note. I mean, it was, the way it ended was good. Good ending. Worth reading to get to the ending. <sighs> or not. Well, I told Craig he should try to read it. He's, he did try to read it once, and he didn't like it. And I told him, well, just skip the rest of it, read the last chapter and the epilogue, <laughs> just so you can see what happens. So I'm not sure if it's worth reading the whole thing. <laughs> like, you read the first chapter or two, and then the last chapter and the epilogue. And you're good. And you might, you'll get, I mean, you pretty much know what happens. Hmm. 
Hemingway, let's see, what did I like that he wrote? Uh, probably his most famous thing was For Whom the Bell Tolls. You heard of that? Mm, I don't think so. You ever read anything he wrote? Nope. You heard of anything he wrote? Nope, not really. Good Lord, Doug lived Been to his house. You've been to his house and <laughs> never read the, anything he in wrote? In Key West, outside his house. Ah, oh, man, Doug. Can't help Let's it. See. I love the old man in the sea. It's one of my favorites. I love the Nick Adams stories. The Big Two Hearted River is great. I love all of his short stories. About it's got one by I think I think it's called Death in the Afternoon. About bullfighting. I loved it. The have or <clears throat> to have and have not. It's great. And from what I've read about it, it's not even one of his most, uh, more popular ones, but I loved it. Who else do I like? I don't know. Steinbeck. <laughs> I like The Pearl. I think he's most famous for what? Uh, of Mice and Men. Yeah. You read it? Yep. You like it? It's okay. I enjoyed it. I might have liked it better if it was not. You know, in school. Yeah. That was I read a, it. a signed reading. When I had it in, I read it in high school, but <laughs> my, t my, it was 11th grade English, I think, 11th. That's when I read it. Yep. Yes. But my teacher, it was a class reading. We didn't have, we didn't read it outside of class and she read it to us <clears throat> and she did all the voices for all the different characters. <laughs> okay. And she kept saying, we're going to read Of Mice and Men. But she said of like, we all thought she was saying Of My Sandman. <laughs> we were like, what is Of My Sandman? And then she gave us the book and it said Of Mice and Men. And this girl I'll sit next to was like, oh, I thought you were saying we're going to read Of My Sandman. And everybody's like, yeah, that's what we thought. She's like, no, Of My Sandman. <laughs> and we're like, that's what you said. She's like, is that what it sounds like? We're like, yeah. But then it turned out to be a pretty good book. We read a William Faulkner book in that grade. Hmm. Light in August. Never heard of it. It was... We didn't read that when I was The story was decent. I'm not a big fan of his other than that one short story I was talking about because <clears throat> some of the stuff I've tried to read of his, he can have like five or six pages of the same sentence. And it's just blah. To me, some people love it. I, I didn't, but so there's what I like to read. And writing, I like to write. I've actually got published once. Where at? What or what? Or what in? It was called Bohemian Renaissance. I've read that story too. I looked it. I got. I found it online. I didn't even know if they were still existed. And I looked it up, and I thought I was in, like, the only issue they had. They had several different ones after mine. It was a free magazine. And I don't know how you got this magazine, but they sent me a few copies. And I think I lost them. I don't have them anymore. <laughs> that was my payment. Two free copies. So it was printed? Yep. It was not just online? I found no. it online. No, it was printed. That's what I said. I don't know where you got it. I don't know. Maybe it was in one of these little... um free things that sits outside of a store somewhere. It could have been. 
like in Asheville. Was it in know. Asheville? I have no... No, the lady who ran the magazine, she was out of Atlanta, Georgia. So you could have been in a little free newspaper distribution things in Atlanta then. I could have been. Could have been. Know. But I've had a lot of rejection letters, like mean lots. Lots and lots. Maybe one day. Where from? Where have you been rejected from? Scholastic. Penguin. Didn't Penguin go out of business? Well, they might have. Seems like I read something or heard something about Penguin going out. I don't know. I haven't read that. I don't know. But there's been, I mean. It's probably because they rejected you. That's why. That's exactly it. All kinds of literature, magazines. Who else have I been rejected by? Pretty much all the major book publishing houses. Let's see. A whole bunch of people. A lot of, I've, I've saved a bunch of I saved all the actual letters they sent back. A lot of them is just email. They were email you and say sorry. Yeah. Some of them actually. A... I think Scholastic actually wrote me a handwritten letter and signed it. Did they give you what critiques? Did they give you suggestions? No, they just, most of them didn't say, some of them's like, it's just not what we're looking for at this time. And some of them were like, thanks for your submission, but we don't accept unsolicited submissions. They only want it by an agent. I'm just not sure. I looked into getting an agent. I just don't know about agents. They'll take your money. Yeah. Some agents don't take money unless they get published. They're like, we get a percentage of what you make. Hmm. But, I don't know. So, there's that. Number four. Number four. All right. Number three. You have one you want to say, Doug? I can't think of anything. It's too broad of a subject. Too broad of a thing. Number three is something that we've talked about Probably every episode of this podcast. Okay. Music. Yep. Pretty much. We have. I love music, as you could probably tell if you've listened to this at all. When the top ten list turns into a Nick's top thirty-five that he has to (laughs) sit here and go through the list during the podcast (laughs) and mark things off, and and, uh, that was number three. But now, wait a minute. I'm going to change that. That's number two. Blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. That's how it goes. That's it. Music. I love it. My first music genre that I fell in love with was country music. I was born in 1992. And from the time I was old enough to realize what was being played on the radio, probably mid-90s, country radio was still pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Would you say so, Doug? I would say so. Yeah, so I, lo- I loved it. I like the 90s stuff. And then on up into the 2000s, as I got into middle school, it started getting worse and worse. Mm-hmm. And I could I noticed it was changing, and I was like, eh, it's not terrible. And then by the time I got into high school, I was like, some of this just sucks. And now it's in the toilet, the radio is. And then by the time I got into my senior year, I realized, whatever this is being played on country music radio, I was like, if this is country, then I hate it, and it sucks. So I completely abandoned it. And I went to rock. And I fell in love with rock music. While you're on that subject, I'm going to say one thing. I don't want to interrupt too much, but have you ever met anybody or heard anybody say they like current country radio? I have. 
Mm, okay. I've met several people who have told me they like country music radio. Because they're like, people have asked me, yo, what kind of music do you like? I'm like country. They're like, oh, yeah, I love this. You heard this new song. It's like, no, I don't really listen to the radio. I'm like, well, what do you listen to? I was like, I listen to country. <laughs> Real country. <laughs> like most of the people I've heard, a lot of people, I see all kinds of people that's on Facebook profiles and most everyone that says anything about it, they're like, I don't like what's on the radio right now. I mean, it's... So I was wondering if anybody actually did. But apparently they do. I mean, I don't like the radio. I've heard a few decent songs on the radio the past. It's getting a little better. I heard one song. It was not on the radio. It was on CMT. It was a video, and it was not bad at all. Who was it? I would have to get my phone that's over there on that desk and look it up, because I did make a note of it. Before we get too far into today's music, let's go back to when I started listening to rock music. Alrighty. Alright, so, high school, I started listening to rock music. I completely abandoned country music. I Left it behind. And I thought, there's no hope for it, it is dead. <clears throat> and I started out liking whatever radio was playing for rock. I was like, yeah, this is good. And then as I developed my rock music ear, <clears throat> like, 18, 19 year old me started liking this stuff. I thought Alice in Chains and Nirvana. I was like, this stuff's great. Then I started looking it up and I was like, these guys are all from Washington. They arrived from Seattle. So I just, and then I started looking into that and I became a fan of what was called grunge. So like 90s rock mm. from Seattle. And I fell into a deep rabbit hole of that. And then I started listening to some heavier stuff, heavy metal. And I was into, <clears throat> I started getting away from the grungier stuff and got into some classic rock and heavy metal. Heavy metal. Doug's not a big fan of heavy no, metal. Nope, not really. And that's what I liked. And then one day, a few years ago, I think the year was 2017. I discovered a few independent country artists. Changed my whole music life completely. I started being a country fan again. Let's see. How, so how many years were you not a country fan? From 2000, I'll say from 2011 to 2017. Good six years. If it, I, I knew what was being played on the radio because it everywhere I went, it was everywhere. Like Luke Bryan, that was his heyday. Shoo. I guess that was the bro country era. Has it ended yet? I'm pretty sure bro country's faded out, but something they call boyfriend country's taking oh, its place. Oh, Lord. And that's where you get these little women men who sing about <laughs> uh, people who claim to be men, and all they sing about is how much they love their wives. <laughs> It's like, oh, babe, you can do no wrong. I love you. I'm like, shut the F up. <laughs> it's what Craig calls the uh, the uh, wispy-voiced man. I mean, it's awful. It's like people, they sing, it's like, oh, the world could be ending and all I'd see is you. No, it's, shut up. It's all fake. Oh. I can't stand it. It's crazy. Yeah, But anyways, I don't pay attention to that junk. So, you know all the independent artists we like, because we've talked about that 
a lot. Yes, yes, yes. But music. You like music too, don't you, Doug? Yes, yes, yes. And Not as country, much as you do. Country's your favorite, ain't it? Eh. Rock. You like some old rock. Country plus like 80s rock. None of this heavy metal. No heavy metal. No grunge. No grunge. Just like the classic 80s stuff. I don't really listen to grunge anymore. You know who I like a lot right now? Who? And everybody can that's been in a car with me can tell you this. What? For some reason, I've got hung up on Toto. Toto? Toto. I think I know one song. Africa. Everybody knows Africa. What else do they sing? Rosanna. You know that one. You should know that one. Sing it. I'm not going to sing it. They say, Rosanna. Is that it? Sort of. I think I know. (laughs) You've probably heard it. They've got a lot of good stuff, though. Okay. I listen to a bunch of stuff that, like, is not singles and whatever stuff on albums. They have some pretty good I can honestly classic say, 80s sounding stuff. You are the first person I've ever heard say they like Toto other than that Africa song. Listen to some of their stuff. Listen to... Well, I can't tell you which ones. Just listen to some of it. All right. It's There's some good stuff out there. So, that's what I say. I still listen to some rock... Every now and then I'll get on a heavy metal kick. This time of year is good for heavy metal. I like it. I like heavy metal when it's cold. Christmas time, heavy metal. Not Christmas, just winter. Cold in general, like January, February. Okay, so why is heavy metal good in the winter? I don't know. It's a little darker. It's always dark outside. I don't know. It just makes sense, Doug. In my mind, it does. Okay. But I'll be on it, and then a. But it's not like a. I don't know, <laughs> but it just is. And I like bluegrass. I really like bluegrass if it's good bluegrass. What would be some good bluegrass? Good bluegrass. Anything by Blue Highway is good. Anything with Ricky Skaggs. A lot of Tony Rice. I mean, there's a whole lot, a whole lot of good stuff. Billy Strings' latest album is good. I don't like bluegrass. I don't like all bluegrass. I like, I guess this kind of stuff I like would be considered second phase or second generation or something. Like first mm-hmm. generations, like Earl Flat, I mean, Lester Flat, Earl Scruggs, yeah, Bill Monroe, yeah. that kind of stuff. And then when I like, uh, I like a lot of Ralph Stanley stuff. I'm not sure what he would be considered. J.D. Crow in the New South. Uh, that was the their album they put out. I don't remember what year it was, but it was known as the Rounder 0444 or something like that. That was the name of, that's what, that was the, uh, what was it? That's like the serial number. It was put out by Rounder. The Rounder is a, what's the word I'm trying to say, Doug? Like Sony know. Music. Um, music label. Yeah, Sony's the music label. Or Rounder was the music label. Allison Krauss was with Rounder. I love Allison Krauss. I can't say she's pure bluegrass, but whatever she is, she's 
good at it. She's something. You don't like Alison Crow? I like, yeah, some of her songs. I haven't heard that many, but the uh, ones I've heard, I like them. But, and in music, not only do I like to listen, I, I try to play. Try to? Well, I'm not that great at anything, <laughs> but let's see. When I was in, how old was I? Eighth grade, I got a banjo. I got really good at it. I ain't gonna say really good. I got pretty good at it really fast. And then I don't know why, I just quit playing. And then here, I don't know, a month or so ago, I got my banjo. I've been trying to play some. And I remember a whole lot of what I learned back then. I enjoy playing. I got pretty decent at the guitar. I've played the guitar on and off my whole life. And I got pretty good at it. And I quit playing it. I don't think it's I quit playing. It's I get busy a few days and forget to practice. I don't have time to practice. And then I just get out of yep. the habit. Yep, yep. That's what it is. And then my senior year in high school, I got a ukulele. And I got good at the ukulele. Mm. It was It was simple to learn. Fun and... It was real small. I liked it. But. So. Music's always been a big part of my life. It's. Uh, you need to play some songs on the podcast. I should. I'll write us a podcast theme song. Yes. 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 I'll do it. And it's not. We could get into the whys of why I like music. Like the reasons behind it. It's a deep subject, isn't it, Doug? Why does you like anything? That's a very deep subject. So, I'll just say it's been there for me when people weren't. That's <laughs> okay. a very broad answer. So, Makes sense. Let's skip to... Alright, that was 5, 4, music was 3. I don't have a number 2. I've got 2 tied for number 1. Because okay. to pick either one of these over the other would be a severe... Injustice. Alrighty. Can you guess what they are, Doug? I cannot guess. I'm sure you could. This if you is a wide, wide area here. I don't know. Alright, so the first one I'm going to give you is hunting. Okay, that makes sense. It's tied for number one, and I'm guessing, I'm not going to tell you what uh, other number one is, but I'm sure you can guess. <laughs> can you guess, Doug? Might it involve things that live underwater? It could. Very and catching things that live yes. underwater. Yeah. In rivers yeah. and lakes. Ocean. Yes. All right, so first, hunting. And not just any hunting. Well, I like squirrel hunting. I like rabbit I like the idea of rabbit hunting and squirrel hunting. I like the idea of being able to shoot them and eat them. But do I actually go out and hunt for rabbits and squirrels? Squirrels, three or four times a year. Rabbits, never. But I always think I'm going to. But deer, deer hunting, that's something I do. Let's see here. You need to come here in the summertime and kill some rabbits. Doug, what you, need no, to do. you can't shoot rabbits in Sorry. the summer. It's got to have a season. If they're eating the garden, you're, you can kill them. All right. 
You call the game board and say, these rabbits are destroying my crops. Can I kill them? And if he says yes, I'll come shoot some. And we can, I'll fry them up out here. Rabbit's good. I have killed two in my life. Back in my younger days. And they were delicious. I ate them both. Very good. I have never had rabbit. Or squirrel. Or deer. Well, Doug's missing out. Actually, I might have had deer. I think I had some sausage that somebody made. Some deer sausage. Doug. That's all. We're going to have to have a get-together cookout or something. I'll make you some deer. Yeah. You yeah, taste yep. it. Because I can cook some deer. I'm pretty decent. Cooking could have made my list. But it didn't. Cooking is relaxing to me. All right. So let's talk about hunting. Okay. Back to hunting. <laughs> so my first recollection of going deer hunting was with my dad. I have no idea how old I was, what grade. I, I don't even know if I was in school. I just remember him saying he was going hunting. And I wanted to go with him. And he lived on a mountain. On At this time, him and my uncle, my papa, all owned 40 acres together. And then joined, he had permission to hunt the whole, everything back. Like It was free reign. There was nobody back there. We just went wherever we wanted. And I remember, I don't know where we went, how far we walked. I just remember I took a little toy gun and... We finally got to where we were sitting, and I pulled the trigger on my little toy gun, and it popped. And he told me to stop it, because I was going to scare the deer away. But that was my first memory of going hunting. And then, I remember writing, like, in, like, first, second, I think this was in second grade, I don't know. We had to write about what we did over the weekend, and I wrote, I went hunting with my dad. This was a different time. We went hunting, and I was like, we went to this place, and then we took a break here, and I wrote about walking in, and all, I wrote in detail all the rest we made. And But my first actual hunting experience where we were, deer were actually harvested. I was in the third grade. My dad and my papa got a lease in Georgia. And I went down there. This was the first time I was actually going to get to kill something. When we were hunting in Georgia. he, My dad killed like 11 or 12 deer that year in Georgia. He was allowed to. He had, they had like tags everywhere. So the first time I was sitting, I was sitting with him. And he killed one. I'll tell you this story. It's a good story. So <clears throat> we get in there and he had this stand picked out. He had made a little stand. We were sitting on the ground and he had dug a hole and put me in the hole. He said, you stay down in that hole. Because he said, I move around too much and the deer would see me. So he, he dug his actual hole and he put me in it. And I was down there playing in the dirt. And then, uh, probably not long after daylight, there's a group of does come running out. And at this time, it was a buck only this day. So we saw, I didn't really see the deer, I just saw their tails. He was like, there goes some does. And I was like, oh yeah. So I go back to playing in the dirt. I'm not sure how long I was there. It seemed like forever. And then he goes, there's a deer. You see it? 
And I was down in this hole. I was like, no, I don't see the deer. And he's like, oh, it's a buck. I'm going to shoot it. I was like, okay. Well, poof. I'm like, you get it? I don't know. It's just standing there. Poof. You get it? He's like, I don't know. It's still just standing there. So while we were sitting there, he shoots again. Three shots. He's like, all right, it ran. So we were, I was down in the hole. So we got up and we go look for it. We find some blood. And uh, then here comes my papa and my brother. My papa had killed one earlier that day. So he was walking over there to us. And he was like, you get one? And my dad was like, yeah, we got some blood here. So we tracked it. He found it. It was a little cow horn. He had gut shot it. So that was my first deer killing experience. And I was down in a hole. <laughs> but it was fun. And that was when I found out I was allergic to deer. And deer. Not the meat. I can eat the meat. I'm allergic to the dander. Hmm. Like the hair, dander. Bucks are worse than does. And if the buck's rutting, it's the worst of all. Because you can smell them when they're rutting. You can, and it, it's the worst thing ever. Like my, my throat will swell up. My eyes will swell shut. Good. I can't breathe. That's not good at all. But So now I've got to where... I figured this out a long time ago. If somebody shoots one, I take two Benadryls before I ever get to the deer. I'm going to be tired, but it keeps me... I can breathe. <laughs> keeps your throat from closing up. Yeah. And let's see. This year... I killed two deer this year. And that makes... 20 deer that I've killed. I killed my first one in 2006. 2006, I was in the 8th grade. So 2006 to 2021. How many, that'd be what, 16 deer seasons? 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Yeah, 16 deer seasons. I've killed 20 deer. And I figured it up. There has been three seasons I didn't kill one. Okay. So I've killed deer 13 out of the last 16 seasons, and I've got 20. That's pretty good. The way I hunt is good. A lot of people killed more, but just about all mine have been off game land. There have been a few off private lands. Most of them game lands. Oh, let's get back to that year my dad put me in the hole. Yes. yes I was in the yes. third grade. Later that year, when gun season opened up in western North Carolina, we were hunting up above the house. And this was my turn to kill a deer. He was like, all right, you're going to shoot it. I was excited. We were sitting there hunting. And then we we're like, my dad was like, here comes something. We were all looking there. And here comes our dog. And we were, I mean, we weren't just like looking at the house. We were walking up the mountain a long ways over. It was a long ways from the house. Dog followed you. Well, here he comes. My dad got mad. And he goes over there and he starts beating his dog, spanking it, said, you go home. Well, he, the dog ran off. My dad comes back. He's like, we might as well just go home now. Ain't going to be no deer come here. Well, 30 minutes later, there's a deer. 
I could not see the deer. My dad goes, there's a deer. And I got the gun and I was looking through the scope. He's like, shoot it, shoot it. It's looking right at us. It's going to run. And I was like, I don't see the deer. So I handed him the gun. I was like, you shoot it. He's like, it's right there. And I was like, I don't see the deer. So he shot it. Even after he shot it, I didn't see it. It ran. Hmm. I saw like a flash of tail and that's it. So we go, we find the blood, we track it, we find it. It was a buck. I'm not even sure what kind of, what you would call it. Cause every, like it's rack, it's rack was busted up all to pieces. It might've been like a four point the way it was. It might've had like two brow times and the beam for it just broke. It had been fighting. So I don't know what it was, but it was a buck. So that was my first chance I was going to actually get to kill one. But you didn't. And I didn't. And then it took me, and I'm not saying I just went once or twice a year. I hunted a steady diet of deer hunting up until I killed that one. I put in my time. It just didn't happen. And I was adding it up on my way over here to Doug's. I've shot at, I've killed 20. I've shot at around 15 others that either wounded or just flat out missed. I've only hit, as far as I can think, I've hit three that I actually found blood and tracked and didn't find. So the rest of them I just missed. So if I had killed all the ones I shot at, I'd have somewhere in the 35, pushing 40 range, because there, hmm. there was a spell I was missing a lot with my bow. I missed. So somewhere around 15, could be more or less. I, that's a good general number that I've shot at. Doug's never been hunting. Have nope, you? I have not. I'll try to get him to go. He won't go. So let's skip a few years to my first deer that I killed. I was in the eighth grade. It was over Thanksgiving break. Me and my dad and my uncle and my cousin. We left from Thanksgiving dinner at my grandparents' house and went down east, way down east on the coast. My uncle had this place where... Uh, we, he paid a guy to let him hunt on his property. And he had to stand set up. And they just put you out in the stand and deer come out. It was a... We were there for two days. We hunted Friday and Saturday after Thanksgiving. Friday, I did not see a deer. My dad killed... I think my dad killed two Friday morning. I didn't see one any morning or evening. All day, I didn't see anything. Then here comes Saturday. The guy who owns the land said, all right, here's how you get to this stand. He's like, it's about 500 yards down this way. And he's like, stay. He set me, he put me out of the truck. I had no idea where I was at. It was pitch black dark. He said, walk, stay on this side of the creek until you can't walk anymore. Then I got a little bridge, crossed the little bridge, and there's a stand. If you've never seen this type of woods before you won't understand but when he says walk to you can't walk no more you can't walk no more it's like it's the thickest stuff i've ever seen it's like walking into a wall it's like you can't see through it it's just there it is so 
I look over, and there's the bridge, and there's the stand. I go, I come up in the stand. I was sitting there a few hours, and then I look over, and there's a deer. And I thought it was a doe. I got so excited, and I was like, my heart was pounding. If you've ever killed a deer, you know what I'm talking about. And it's like, you can't describe it. And then I, I was using a 243. Same gun my dad killed his first deer with. My papa bought this gun in like the 60s. Remington Model 700, and it's worth quite a bit of money. So I put the gun up, and the deer runs off. And uh, the guy we were hunting with, he had little uh, radios, little walkie-talkie radios for everybody who's hunting to wear. We could talk to each other. Well, I told my dad the whole story about what happened and where I thought it ran. But I didn't even click the button on the radio, so I was just talking to myself. <laughs> so, so, so I, he wasn't hunting. He was probably 500 yards from me in a different stand. So I told him, I was like, I think I got it. I just told him I killed it. So he got over there to me. We went down. We couldn't find one speck of blood anywhere. Hmm. No, no blood. So uh, we we weren't sure if I hit it or not. He thought I missed. And I thought there's no way I missed because it was right there. So anyways, the guy, uh, he had a blood dog that could track the deer by smelling it. So he brought the dog. The dog found it no time flat. It was just like, it didn't. The deer didn't go 20 yards. We had walked right by it. But like I said, it was so thick you couldn't see it. We were walking in the deer trails trying to find it. It had like fell over in the thicket. So the deer, the dog found it. It was a little spike. And I was excited. I was, it was my first one, and it got me started. You ever kill one, you're hooked for life. So I guess my first one. Let's skip 2016. I killed a big one. Biggest one I've ever killed. I still haven't killed one bigger. I'm not a big fan of inches, scoring them. That's a big thing to do. You score their antlers to see how big they are. But just to give you all an idea how big it is, it was in the 130s. That's my biggest one. And I killed it off of game lands, off the Uari National Forest. Craig and his wife had just gotten married, and they decided they were going to go camping and hunting with me and my dad hmm. they went with us Craig and his wife they sat in the same stand together on the ground they saw several deer the way she puts it I believe her Craig scared the deer off cause they saw several deer and I know how Craig is he moves he'll shake his legs he's restless and if he falls asleep he's gonna snore and I know he sleeps on the stand <laughs> so and uh, I think they had several opportunities at deer, but Craig's restless legs and <laughs> snoring scared him away. But the first morning we were actually on stand, I was sitting there looking at a deer, and I could I, I saw all I could see was its head, and it had horns. It was a little six point, and I was like, if that thing walks out behind that tree, I'm gonna shoot it. So I was sitting there, I was trying. It came out at an awkward angle the way I was sitting. And I was trying to get turned around. And then I hear, 
I look up, and I'm thinking it's just a squirrel. Well, then I look back, and this deer's looking, it's looking straight ahead. And all of a sudden, it turns off and runs. And then I hear again, and I look up, and here comes this giant deer walking down the deer trail. So this giant buck walked out, scared the little deer off. It ran. It took off running. And I was using a muzzleloader. The thing's coming. I get my gun up. It sees me moving, looking right at me. And I, and I could tell I hit it because it, uh, it went down, and then it ran, dragging one of its legs. So I knew I killed the thing. I was like, I got it. I got it. I was excited. So I remember me and my dad had bought, we had bought a little two-way radio by then. And I said, I'm not a big fan of, everybody uses their cell phones now. I don't take my phone with me hunting. I'm hunting. I want to get away from everything, throw it in the yep. trash. So I leave it in the truck, leave it at camp or something. So I called him on the radio. I was like, I got a giant. And I was, he got down, I got out of the stand. He wasn't hunting too far from me this day either. He made his way down to me. And I was like, it was right here. I'm pretty sure I heard it crash over there. And there was no blood. No blood at all. But I was like, it doesn't matter because I know it went down and I heard it crash. So there was a little thicket. And I was like, it's right over in there. So we went over there. There he was. It's not, it was good. Good times. So we got dragged up there. And Craig was like, oh, good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so... That was, that was the only deer we killed that day, that weekend. We were there for several days, but that was, that was the only one we killed. I saw a few more. Didn't really get a good shot at them. But let's go back a few years from that. Me and Craig, my dad, and my papa were hunting. This was the, fir the, the place where I killed my big one. That was my biggest deer. My dad also killed his biggest deer a few years earlier. We had found this. It was just a good spot. And this was a good, this was the best hunting trip we've had. I mean, I ain't gonna, we don't kill a lot of deer. We hunt a lot, don't kill a lot of deer. That's just the way it is when you're hunting these public lands. But my dad, my papa, and Craig all killed one on this trip, and I didn't even see one. <laughs> so. But this one morning, my dad killed an absolute giant. It was huge. It's pushing. If they were, I'm not sure what the score was. It's probably in the 160 range. It had. A, it was a 10 point with a drop time. It was just massive. When he he called me on the radio after I heard him shoot, and he's like, "I killed a beast." That's what his exact words were. I killed a beast. <laughs> and I, so he finds it. He's like, I'm, he was telling me about it. He's like, I'm pretty sure it had a drop time. Well, he, he finds the deer. He calls me on the radio. He's like, I don't know what I was looking at, but it don't have a drop time. He's like, but I got it. He's like, it's huge. Well, he calls me back a few minutes later. He's like, never mind. It does have a drop time. It was stuck in the ground when it fell. <laughs> the drop time stuck in the dirt. So later, we finally all get together. And I, I ain't going to lie. It was huge. Massive deer. Biggest deer. Giant. Then later that evening, my brother kills one. It was a big three-point. And my papa killed a doe that week while we were there hunting. I didn't see a deer. But that's just how it goes. Yep, yep, yep.
So if you know anything about hunting, when you're all there together at a hunting camp, it's just, it's a feeling that you can't get unless you're there. No way to describe it. That's just how it is. That's a big reason why it's on my list. So let's skip forward to this year. The last year I killed. I killed it up here in the mountains of western North Carolina. And we had been, I was hunting in an area. I don't want to give the name because I don't want people. I mean, I could tell you the name and you would never find where I, I was at. Everybody's swarming the place. Uh, it's one of the hardest places in the world I've ever been tried to get to. So if you want to go try to find it, go ahead. But you're never going to find it. Have fun. So. But it's up here. It's a place my dad grew up hunting. Him and my papa, my uncle, their uncle. He's told, there's innumerable stories they have told me about this place. I went hunting there as a child. Never saw anything. Never killed anything. And you walk miles and miles and hours and it's just... Well, then a few years ago, we decided we were going to start hunting there. Again, that's where we wanted to, to, to be. And my dad killed a giant. It was his second biggest when he killed it up there. I don't know, three, I guess three, two or three years ago from now. When was that, Doug? You remember, what year did we go see Coulter Wall? Mm, you bought me tickets at the Orange Pier. 19. Yeah, he killed it in 2019. Last year, we didn't, none of us even saw a deer last year. I had never seen a deer on the stand. I'll take that back. I saw one on the stand. I was in elementary school, I think, and I was sitting with him. And we saw a doe, and we were bow hunting. He was trying to shoot it, and somehow his release messed up on it and scared the deer away. It made noise, and the deer ran. So get back to modern age. Modern age. Modern today. <laughs> I've been going in this place for three years in a row now. And not, I'm not saying just during, I'm not just going in there during deer season looking around. I'm We were spending days in the spring, summer. I was spending some time in this place looking around, trying to stay on the deer because the place is massive. It's huge, huge wilderness, nothing around you. Just acres and acres of vast woods so it's hard to get on the deer but we find a we try to stay on them all year round so when season comes we don't have to we're not scrambling around and i've the last few years i haven't been able to see anything so this year it was thanksgiving day the day before thanksgiving earlier this week i was really discouraged because we thought we had it figured out we go up there the Saturday before season opens, and it's changed completely, and I just felt like I didn't know what to do. <laughs> but I get in there the day before Thanksgiving. That was my first day off work. And I find some good sign, and I'm like, all right, this is where I'm going to be hunting. So I hang a lock on up in a tree, and then Thanksgiving morning rolls around. I'm back, I don't know, three, four miles in the woods. It's a long walk. Meaning, well, so I'm sitting there. Not long after daylight, I hear one. And I look up, and there it is. There's a deer. You know, that's a deer. 
And I'm not going to lie, I just felt like, holy cow, there's a deer. That's what I thought. Because I've been spending all this time in here. I've not even jumped one. I've not seen one. But I'm like, they exist. And I'm I'm not sure how to describe it. After all the stories I've heard of this area and the, what it used to be, it used to be spectacular. It's just not anymore. And I'm like, wow, this is a, they exist in here. That's what it, it was like. There's a ghost in these woods. You can tell they've been here. And then there it finally is. It's it was, you can't explain it, but I, uh, I couldn't tell if it was a buck or a doe or not. It was in kind of in it was in the briar thicket, so I put my gun up, put the scope on its head, try to see if I and I could, I think I see horns. I'm like I think it's a spike, or a four point or something. I thought I thought I'm gonna shoot it. I'm like no, I'm not gonna shoot it because what if it's a doe? I'm like I'm just gonna wait. So, so it gets over into, there's two main trails where I was hunting. One of them was up where this one was at, and then one of them was way down below it, not far from where I was sitting. Well, it gets over, and I think it's gone. So I get out my grunt call. My grunt call, if you just blow on it, normal, it's a buck. But it has little places where you can put your fingers. You can make a buck, doe, fawn. There's a whole range you can make it wherever you put your finger. Like, there's not specific places, it's just you pick where you put it on the reed. And it'll make the sound. So, I attempt to do a doe call, but my adrenaline was high, and I'm, it was the right, I made the right finger movement, but it was, I guess it worked, because I hear, I did it, then I look up, and then the deer's coming to me. It's kind of looking around, and I still can't tell what it is, so it gets, and then it gets over in a different ivy, or not ivy briar thicket and uh, I suppose do the same call and then I hear and I look over and all I see is horns coming at me and I'm like so I forget this one over here that I can't tell if it's a buck or a doe because I'm like here's a buck a legitimate buck and I'm like this is crazy two deer in like two minutes and it just got daylight <laughs> and it's a and if you've never been hunting, you won't understand. But if you have, it's like, wow. So the deer's coming down the trail. The first deer I saw was up on the higher trail, farther away from me. This one's on the lower trail, close to me. And it gets behind some little saplings. And I get my gun up, and I'm like, this deer comes out. It's looking for this doe. I guess the rut had kicked in. It was looking for this doe that it thought was out there bleating. It was looking around, trying to smell, looking everywhere it could. And then I was like, as soon as it steps out from behind these saplings, I got a shot. And then here it goes. Finally makes that step. I shoot. And I could tell I hit it. Well, I thought I could tell I hit it. And then I see a tree limb about the size of my thumb, maybe a little bigger, fall out of the tree. Let me take it back. So the, I'm sitting on the side of a mountain. It's a steep mountain, like extremely steep, and I'm up in a tree. So I was shooting up the mountain the way the trail was situated, and the tree limb was up above me. I think it was the same tree I was sitting in, but I see the tree limb fall in front of my head. So I'm thinking, this was all in like a matter of seconds. So my mind says, I don't know where I hit it, the tree limb could have deflected my bullet. And then all of a sudden the deer stops. It's running. 
It's probably 15 yards from me at this point in the trail. It just stops. And I throw the gun up. The thing stands up on both hind legs, starts kicking its front legs, does a complete backflip, lands dead right there, 15 yards from me laying there. And I can't even describe the feeling it was to be hunting, there being this place. I've heard of, to hear stories of it my whole life. And uh, spend the last few years, I've spent days in here. Not just days. Time. A lot of time. And then it finally happened. It was great. So I, I was like, the deer's dead. I called my dad on the radio. I was like, I got one. He's like, you, he's like, you ever get a good shot? Because he heard me shoot. We weren't too... Uh, we were pretty good ways away up here because you can get you can be miles away up here, but we weren't that far. And he, I said, yeah. So I told him I was sitting there looking at it. He's like, All right, I'm coming. So he gets down. He's coming to me. I take my time, pack all my stuff up. I get down. I get over there to it, and it, it was an eight point. <clears throat> it's probably the, it's the second biggest deer I killed. And uh, uh, it was good. And I told my dad, I was like. You can spend days sitting and have nothing happen. You can sit here and watch nothing. You can just you can spend a whole season in this place and not see a deer. Think they don't exist. And I said, but when it finally happens, there's nothing like it in the world. And if you're a hunter, you know what I mean. There's no you nothing else like it. So it's great. And we were that far back. Like when we're hunting down east. We're usually not walking terribly far, and it's a lot of pine needles, so it's easy dragging. Up here where we're at, we're three, four miles deep. Ain't nothing easy about getting out of here. So I bought me a pack frame, and I set the deer on it. I strap it onto it. It has its little, it has uh, straps. You tie it, just get it tied on there any way you can. And I throw it on my back, and I carry it out. So... That's how I got that one out. Sounds fun. Yes. How long did that take? Uh, it didn't take me that long. It took it took a little longer than it did. Like if I'm just like walking into my stand in the morning, it took just a little longer than that because I was in a hurry to get out. I didn't want, I took very few breaks. I just I had to take a few breaks. I didn't buy a very quality pack frame. And the straps kept loosening up on me and pulling my shoulders back. So I had to get squatted down somehow and get it tightened up, pulled up all higher on my shoulders. So I didn't want to take many breaks because I thought if this I mean I just wanted to get out of there. <laughs> I wanted to get out as fast as possible. So I was booking it. And I was getting out I got out of there. And then we finally made it, and I was like, it was great. But that was my second deer this year. No more buck tags. So I got to hunt one day after that because that next Saturday was doe day. I hunted, me and my dad hunted till about 12 o'clock that day, and uh, we got down, met up to eat lunch, and we hit it. My dad pulled his phone out. There's not, there's hardly any phone service where we're hunting. And, well, let's see. 
The day after that, he killed a nice eight point, bigger than mine, but I wasn't hunting because I didn't have any tags. Uh, so he still had a tag. So he had a buck tag, and he could have killed a doe this day. All I could kill is a doe. But we didn't see anything, so we got down, met up, turned his phone on, and he saw my brother had tried to call him a few times, left some messages and stuff. So we finally got out. I was like, Craig, he had told us he was going to be hunting. So I was like, I bet he killed one. He doesn't hunt with us. He don't like, he's not a big fan of the walk back in the middle of nowhere woods. <laughs> so he was hunting somewhere else. So we get back to where we can actually get a signal. He calls him. He says he killed one. He needs help with it. He don't know what to do with it. He's not a he's not as experienced a hunter as I am. I think he's killed. He's for as much for no more than he has hunted, he's done very good. He's a he's a very lucky person. Like if he goes, it happens. That's just how it is with him. Hmm. So he ended up killing a big one that day, bigger than it was a really nice one. I think it scored in the 120 range, somewhere mid 120, something like that. It was a nice deer. So that's hunting for me. There's nothing else that, nothing, unless it's hunting, nothing comes close to giving you the feeling hunting does, other than hunting. And I would <laughs> love to hunt other. I have a few things I would love to kill. I mean, I live in one of the best black bear states in the world. I'd like a black bear. Haven't killed one. I want a mule deer. I love an elk. But to get either one of those things, you have to drive, go a long ways, a lot of money. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for the money, I would do it. But you're looking at thousands of dollars to get somewhere to kill these things. That's a lot of money. Yes, it is. I'm not saying it's not doable. It is doable for me right now. But it's not feasible at this point in my life to do it. Maybe next year if my cryptocurrency investments pay off. <laughs> yeah. <So. laughs> we'll see. All right. So now we're on to my second number one. Number one, number two. All right. I'm As Doug already said, it's a pretty simple guess. Oh, before I get on to this one, I'm just going to say I talked a long time about hunting. I could have whole, whole episodes on hunting and fishing. Well, all right. I just gave it away. My other number one is fishing. If they hadn't figured it out already, well, <laughs> you ain't too smart. Yeah. So. But it's fishing. So. Fishing, for me, it's always been a constant in my life. I don't remember a time when I didn't like fishing. I have no idea the first time I went fishing. I have no idea what the first fish I caught was. I have no idea who I was fishing with. It's just always been there. But if I had to guess, I would guess it was a bluegill or a brim or something of that sort. That's what I would guess my first fish was. But I can honestly say I don't know. And I'm guessing I was fishing with a Zepco. I don't know. But it's always been there. And I've always loved it. Just a part of life. It is just a part of life for me. And I can't imagine my life without it. I wouldn't want any part of life without it. I go fishing 
more than anything. I go fishing more than I go hunting. And I can say that's mainly because there is no close season on fishing. I can go I can go 365 a days a year if I want. I mean, there's times if uh, if I've got nothing important to do, nothing, no pressing matters, I go every day of the week after work, even if it's just for 30 minutes. I'll go. That's what I, I mean. I go a few hundred times a year, and that's not exaggerating. I mean, I might just go make a few casts, but I it's fishing. Yep. Because yep. I love to do it. Fishing. And I know you're not exaggerating, because uh, like I don't know how many times that you've said, "Like, what are you doing?" I just I just got back from fishing, or I just went fishing this afternoon, or. I don't know how many times, <laughs> about any time I've talked to you. It's like, well, I just, just came back from fishing, or <laughs> I'm on my way to go fishing. It's, there's a good chance if you talk to me, if I'm not going fishing, I was thinking about it. Probably. <laughs> I'd love to do it. I don't think, no, I did. I went. I actually went today. I made a few casts. <laughs> I went over to my grandparents' house to get some firewood. And I had a fishing pole in my truck. And I thought, that looks like a good place to catch some fish. I went and made a few casts. Didn't catch anything, but I went and made some casts. <laughs> and you may go tomorrow. What? Might go tomorrow, too. I probably, I know I'm going Thursday and Friday. Not Friday, Friday. I'm going Christmas morning, and I'm going Christmas Eve. Hmm. A few years ago, I started I started going on Christmas Eve. And that's just what I do now. And I'm probably gonna, fishing. And I'm probably going to get up early and go Christmas morning. That's not a common thing, Christmas morning fishing. No, it's not, but it's what I'm doing. It's what you do when you're single. What do you do on Christmas morning? I went fishing. I have no family. I'm single, and I like to fish. I don't have to work. I'm going fishing. All right. So, some of my earliest memories of fishing. What do I remember about fishing? I don't really know. It's just I, I really don't know. I remember one. I don't remember how old I was, but I was over at my grandparents' house, and my uncle, my uncle, my dad's brother, loves to fish. Like, he's he might be the only person I know who goes more than I do. Just because, I don't know. It seems like every time you talk to him, that's what he's doing. And he's always out fishing. He was going somewhere, and I said, I wanted to go. I don't remember the drive to the lake. I don't know where we were at. All I know is, I said, I want to go fishing. I must have been really young, because all of a sudden we were out on a boat. I don't think I caught anything, but I was fishing. And I know it wasn't my first time fishing, because it wasn't. If I was guessing... it wasn't. My first time fishing, well, I'm pretty... I can be... Say with almost 100% certainty, I was with my dad. There's a good chance I was with my pap, my mom's dad, my other papa, who's no longer with us. Because he loved fishing as well. And I went fishing a lot with him when I got older. In high school. <coughs> he loved fishing. He loved to eat fish more than he liked to catch them. He didn't care. He liked to, his whole reason for fishing was to eat them. <laughs> like, 
one year for Christmas, I was in high school. It was, we were going up there to visit them for Christmas. They were from Kentucky. And I don't know, my dad said, let's go fishing. I mean, he didn't have to pull my arm or anything. I mean, I was ready to go. <laughs> let's go. Okay, we went. We caught, I caught, I caught my limit of largemouth bass. I don't think my dad caught anything. He might have caught a few something, small something. So, and he filleted them. And that was my papa's Christmas present. Huh. Fish fillets. And I'm not going to lie. He loved it. And that could have been the only gift you ever gave him in your life. If it was fish fillets, he would love you forever. He fried them. He ate them. He loved them. But, <laughs> so. So not not a sport fisherman. Just to. He's fish to eat. To eat. Exactly. Yep. So let's see here. So when you're a kid fishing, when I was a kid, this is how most people are. You're just out fishing to get a bite, you know. I didn't care what bit. I was, if it bit, I was catching it and I was happy. I would fish for anything, everything. And then, what grade? I think I was in eighth grade. My dad got a boat. Bought it from my uncle. And I, that, my whole life changed when he got that boat. Because all of a sudden, I was a bass fisherman. I was attempting to be a bass fisherman. Ugh. <laughs> uh. So, the first time we actually took the boat out was me and my dad and my papaw. We went to Lake Kiwi in South Carolina. And I had no clue what I was doing as far as trying to catch bass went. I had a few lures I'd picked up at Walmart, didn't know what I was doing. My dad caught a few bass. He knew what he was doing. Somewhat. He somewhat knew what he was doing. I was clueless. I don't even know what pound. I might have been using like 20-pound line. Trying to throw some tiny something. If you don't know what fishing, anything about fishing, it's not going to make sense to you. But, anyways, we caught a few fish. And then the second time we went out on the boat, it was just me and my dad. I remember, I'll never forget this day. We went to Lake Douglas in Tennessee. And it's still one of my favorite lakes to this day. I didn't catch one single bass. My dad wore the bass out. But I had, uh, we had bought some night crawlers. And I, we got on some bluegill, like big bluegill. We kept all the bluegill, kept all his bass. We went home, filleted them, invited my grandparents over and had a fish fry. And it was great. And from then on out, everything I did, I lived and breathed bass fishing. I subscribed to Bass Fishing Magazine. There was something on TV. I watched it. And I ain't going to lie, I got pretty good at bass fishing. I became, I went from not knowing what I was doing to I could catch them. And it's strange how it happens because I don't notice myself getting better. It's just I start catching more. I, as far as fishing go, general fishing I don't want to say I'm an expert because there's a whole lot that I don't, that I want to do. A whole lot of techniques I want to try. And I didn't realize how good at fishing I was getting until I was going with people who didn't go as much as I did. And they have no clue. It's like, let's do this and this. They're like, what are you talking about? And they're like, they don't even know, like my brother. Talking about it's like, Craig. Craig. 
I don't want to talk about anybody else. We can talk about Craig. He's not here to defend himself. No. Nope. <laughs> it's like, I do this. It's like, this is what we're going to do. And he's like, I don't know what that is. And I'm like, well, you do it like this. He's like, like this? I'm like, no, you don't do it like that. That's awful. And I'm like, I guess I've learned a lot more. I realized, this was several years ago, I realized... I'm no longer a beginner fisherman, <laughs> and I, I've been fishing my whole life, and I, I finally realized you have I'm not a beginner. <laughs> to the advanced stage. I think I have. I don't want to say advanced because there's so much I don't know. Well, advanced is lower than expert, so I, mean, I, I don't, guess wouldn't I would be? say I would consider myself advanced. Like beginner, intermediate, advanced, expert. I don't know if you're ever a complete expert. I think there's always something you can learn. But all I can say is I'm no longer a novice beginner because I know a few tricks that are only good to me that only I come up with. And I love to do it. it. You don't really notice it until you go with people who don't do it a lot. Until you go with people who are at the beginner stage. Yes. I've went with people who didn't know how to cast. That would probably be and me. I'm, I have taught people how to cast before. I'm like... I mean, this is just something that comes natural, and they're having trouble doing it. Don't know how to hold the rod, <laughs> you know? And I've come up with ways, like if I'm throwing a lure, I like to work it like this. There's a certain way I like to do it, and I get bites like that. And I, it's hard to explain that to somebody. It's like they're doing it, they're trying to do what you do by watching, but they, it's not even close. It's like there's some things that only come with doing it. Yep, that's true. And uh, fishing, that's, but, so we're talking about bass fishing. I got pretty good at it. And then me and my dad were going every, all the time. We'd go stay out all night. Well, when we first started, it was we wanted to catch bass. We'd stay at night, just throw out night crawlers, minnows, whatever, just try to catch whatever. Then we'd fish all day the next day for bass. And we got, we both got really good at it. Well, then it, we were fishing, it was just pretty much every weekend from spring up through summer. That's what we did. We fished. And that's what pretty much my whole high school, we quit staying out all night all the time, but we still went on the weekends, Saturdays. So pretty much bass fishing dominated my high school, all of my high school life and a whole lot of my after high school life. I don't go quite as much anymore. Not because I don't want to, just because time doesn't allow it right now, but uh, one day it will. I'm going to change some things. <laughs> so then once I got my license, I started going fishing, not just on the weekends. That's when I started. I was getting good bass fishing every weekend. I ain't going to lie. I was really good. Got good at catching the bass. But when I became an ex better fisherman was when I just started going to the river. I just started fishing. Because I could take some of my bass techniques, apply them to the trout that I was trying to catch. Then I take some of the things I learned for trout and apply them to the lake. You start mixing things up. You start doing things. You become a complete fisherman. I guess complete. the technical word is angler. Complete angler. Angler. But. Well-rounded well angler. Yes. It started out fishing as a kid. 
I'm begging daddy to take me. Let's go fishing, daddy. Let's go fishing. And then it gets to, we're fishing all the weekends. Then it gets to, I get my driver's license. I don't have to ask no more. I'm going to go. So what do you think I'm doing? I'm going. Just going. And it's been a non, it hasn't slowed down since. So I've been fishing. There's no, I've caught an innumerable amount of fish in my lifetime. No way to count them. No way to even guess. Doug's been fishing with me a few times, haven't you, Doug? Yes, sir. He went and videoed me. I even tried to get Doug yes. to catch one. I was catching him every cast. See, I would have been one of those people that you were saying, you're doing it wrong. I, would, I don't tell people they're doing it wrong. Well, you would have known it, though. I would have known it, but I wouldn't have said it. And I don't think it would have mattered these days because I was, it was every cast I was getting a bite, and I tried to get Doug. Doug, catch him with these fish. No. Nope. He would have caught one. If he wouldn't have caught one, I, would, I can honestly say this. If Doug would have made 10 casts and wouldn't have caught one fish, I can say that he'd be the worst fisherman I've ever fished with. Because he, it might have happened. It would not. I don't think it's possible that could have happened. I don't know. Probably because is. He, Doug, you remember how many I was catching? Yeah. It was every cast, wasn't it? Almost. Yeah. <laughs> I would have, I'd say 100 casts, dude. I'd give. I'll let Doug cast till he caught one. I don't. I would, could have been there a long time. No, it, I think you'd have caught one the first cast. Maybe. Maybe not. Yeah. So. I'm no longer. But let's see. I've kind of come full circle in my fishing life, my world of fishing, because I'm no longer at. There was a time I was. It was if it wasn't a bass, I was like a ah, stupid fish. Threw it back in. <laughs> I've come kind of full circle where I just want to be able to catch fish. If I go to the lake, go to the river, go to the o uh, ocean fishing something, I would love to, I like doing it when I'm there. know nothing about it. It's a mystery to me. But there's something about putting on a chunk of meat, sitting on the beach, throwing it out there, and hoping something bites it. I've caught a few fish like that. But I'm just to the point I want to catch fish. Doesn't matter what kind. Well, let me take it back. I like being able to target it, target a species and catch it. Huh. Okay. Like if I'm targeting bass, I like catching them. I like being, if I want to go target a different species, I want to be able to catch them. Like I want to go out and say, I'm going to catch this fish today and be able to do it. And I've learned a lot. That way, if, if I'm out there bass fishing, I ain't getting a bite, I can say, all right. Let's see if this is biting. Try something completely different and try it. It's fun. And something I started doing this year, and I have no idea why I haven't started earlier, I started going back into these small mountain streams, catching the native brook trout. Now that is fun. It's the, in my, I've caught a lot of different species of fish in my life. I've seen a lot on TV. And in my personal opinion, a native brook trout from North Carolina in the mountains is the most beautiful fish on earth. If you haven't seen one, you need to see one because they're gorgeous. And they... Prettiest fish on earth. <laughs> prettiest fish. Look it up. <laughs> and... uh man 
as far as catching the fish. I love to catch them. I love to eat them. Now, some people are, there was a while I was strictly catch and release. It's like if you, I mean, when I was growing up, everything on TV was catch and release, catch and release, catch and release. I've done a lot of research. I've done a lot of reading. Catch and release can be a great thing. But there comes a point where it's like, why? Why catch and release? I mean, there's nothing wrong with catching them if you want to eat them. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with catch and release. There's nothing wrong with catch and eat if it's legal. Uh Because it doesn't matter how many you release, how careful you are. Roughly 10% of the fish that are released die, no matter what. They just can't handle it. Might as well eat them. That's just what the data says. For a while, I thought, oh, I'm saving this fish's life, but the odds are some of them have died. That's just I've how it seen goes. some that have died. Just a couple times I went with you. Yep. Just yeah, we did. We saw a few dead ones. There's some that was just floating around dead. They were just there. Yep. Somebody else had caught them earlier, I guess. Yep. If I'm catching and releasing, the main reason I'm catching and releasing is I can catch my limit like that, and I don't want to be done fishing. I want to keep fishing. That's why. Makes sense. Is it wrong of me? It could be. Some people say it's inhumane. It says it's like torture a fish for a few minutes just so you can have some fun. I see it both ways, but I'm not going to stop because I love to do it. I could make a comment, but I'm not going to. Let's hear it, Doug. Nah, I'm just... No, no, no. No, I want to hear it. I mean, something's going to come along, and this is the wild people. Something's going to eat that fish. Yeah, the fish is going to die either way. It's going to die. Yeah. How long does, what is a fish's life expectancy? Uh, It depends on what species we're talking about. Say trout. Rainbow or brown? Rainbow. I'm not sure. I'm guessing, I know... I know for a fact brown trout can live up over 20 years. That's a long time. I'm not sure about brook trout, and I'm not sure about rainbow. And then once we start talking about trout, we get into the whole wild versus stock thing. Of course, they got got some natural predators out there. Yeah, there are natural predators. But if we're talking stocked rainbow trout, 90% of them will be dead in a month. Either by being caught out and eaten, or just not being smart enough to survive in the wild. Yep. Stock trout are, com- are a completely different animal. Same species, but they're stupid. I mean, they live their whole life in Same a tank. species, different brain. Living, live their whole spe- life in a tank being fed by people. Versus being born out in a river where everything in the world's trying to eat you. You, you know. But, so, what was I talking about? Catch and release? Yes, yes, yes. So, I'm a fan of catch and release. I'm a fan of catch and eat. You do you. If it gets you out there fishing, doesn't bother me. Just don't break the law. Don't, yep. Follow the law, and we'll get along perfectly fine. Yep. There are people who would disagree with me right now. There are people who would say, uh, if you catch and eat, you're stupid. When it comes to trout, people are dumb, don't know what they're talking about. That's just what I'm going to say about that. 
Send your emails to... Well, I can say... <laughs> I can say catch and release has saved a few species, has saved some species, have some uh, fisheries. Like the brook trout of... The Appalachian brook trout might be extinct if it wasn't for catch and release because they were almost wiped out. But it has its merits and it has its downfalls. Don't speak, don't bash people for anything without doing your own research. That's all I'm going to say. Yep. So that goes for anything. Yes. Not just fishing. Yes. <laughs> so that's all I'm catching release. Let's go. It's getting to be Christmas time. Christmas. It's getting to be Christmas time. I was going to say. In three days. This is my favorite. I love fishing in the wintertime. I love trout fishing in the winter. From pretty much November up through March, April. I love it. I've caught. That's when I catch my biggest ones. I've caught some. My biggest trout I've ever caught was a brown trout. It was 21 and a half inches. And I caught it on a cold day in March. And you go fishing when it's cold, snowing, ice showing up in my rod tips. I'm the only person there. Everything's silent. There's a reason you're the only person there. I might be crazy, but I love it. And that, oh, there's a reason I'm the only one there. Let's go back to my writing, my reading. Ernest Hemingway. In his book, The Old Man of the Sea, there's a quote. I've always loved this quote ever since I read this book. It says, anyone can be a fisherman in May. And when I'm out there fishing by myself, when it's snowing, I'm like, anyone can be a fisherman in May. Fishing. It takes me to be a fisherman now. Fishing in December. In January. Freezing your butt off. I could talk about fishing. I could have... I could I could just turn this whole podcast into a fishing could, podcast. Yes, you could do into a, fishing a hunting podcast. podcast. I could talk about it from daylight to dark and I never run out of things to say. <laughs> that's why it's that's why those two are tied at number one, because I love them and I could talk about them. We could discuss them. I could give you all my thoughts and opinions. You should just have a hunting fishing music podcast. Now music would have to be on its own. Well, okay. Hunting and fishing podcast, then a music podcast. Yeah, but so I had a lot more to say about fishing, but I've said so much, I don't remember what I was going to say. I had more to say about hunting. I had more to say about those two. They're my favorite things in the world. I have to have a part two. I could have. We might should have one with Craig on here because he can defend himself on some of these things. Well, there was a few times I actually got him to go fishing with me and him. Were fishing pretty steady together. And I could get him catching fish, and he loved it. I was like, do this. Do what I tell you. I told. I said, do what I tell you to do, and you're going to catch fish. He finally did, and he started catching them. And then what happened? He quit going. Ah. If anybody out there wants to go fishing with me, send us an email at themesserbrothers at gmail.com. Yep, yep. There's no person. Well, I ain't going to say that. There are very few people I wouldn't take fishing. <laughs> I, I, I could fishing. name some few. I would take duck fishing if he wanted to catch some. Not right now. It's too cold. As far as hunting goes, that's a different story. You gotta be... I don't want to stop and wait on you. You have to keep up with me, and you better not complain. 
counts me out. But fishing's different because we ain't we don't have to get up at three o'clock in the morning unless you want to. <laughs> so that's been a very special edition of the Messer Brothers presents Nick's favorite things. A few of Nick's favorite things. Hunting and fishing with Doug. So Doug, you have any? Final thoughts? I don't have any final thoughts. I have a final thought. If you listen to this before Christmas, I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. And if it's after Christmas, I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. And I hope you have a great new year. And I hope life turns out better than you ever expected. And if you're listening to this somehow 10 or 20 years in the future, if the internet still exists and the podcast is still there, I hope everything was great. Amen. I'm Doug. Or that's Doug. <laughs> Nick changed his name. I'm Nick. This is Doug. And this has been Messer Brothers Presents. Take care. Merry Christmas. And goodbye.